Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to True Restoration. Here is your host. We are up to Chapter 12, The Relation of Tradition to Scripture. As usual, we will start with a headline. In its relation to Scripture, tradition comes first chronologically. <clears throat> yes, this is where Monsignor, um, in this uh, in this chapter, in this part of the chapter, I mean, he... He does go through uh, and, and uh, um, that uh, as far as, again, chronologically, we're talking in time-wise, is, wise, is that tra- uh, tradition actually came before Scripture, obviously. Uh, I mean, it was, uh, and Monsignor says, it is not therefore inaccurate to assert that tradition had its beginning with the appearance of the first man and woman upon this earth, and others with Adam and Eve, basically from the very beginning. Um, and he goes on to kind of uh, go through a, a little chrono- chronologically and in, in some things. And he says, you know, Moses, uh, of course, wrote uh, the first five books of the Old Testament. But he says Moses wrote what God inspired him to write. Uh, and then, of course, then the apostles wrote whatever God wanted them to write, not more and not less. So whatever was whatever Moses wrote. Um, it was from tradition. You know, tradition, as Monsignor says, con- considered in its strict sense, uh, existed before the old law was ever written. So Moses incorporated in the law those uh, traditions and promises which God had made to Adam and to the other patriarchs. And so basically, again, as I think we had mentioned even last chapter as well, it was uh, scripture is just the uh, basically writing down of what has come before what has really been taught always uh, in, in different ways so and after Moses came the prophets who in the course of time uh, as Monsignor says augmented revelation they all explained the law and delivered God's message to his people then came of course then the apostles who after preaching um, the Catholic faith uh, began to to write the New Testament as the occasion demanded and they preached they preached first and they wrote the New Testament afterwards, and so uh, it uh, it is with that that uh, I like this quote on page 258 and 259 from uh, that Monsignor uses from Saint Irenaeus uh, in the second century. He's, uh, Saint Irenaeus said this. He says, "What then, if the apostles did not leave us the scriptures, had we not then to follow the order of tradition which they delivered to those to whom they committed the churches?" To such order assent many foreign peoples, without books and ink, having what belongs to salvation written in their hearts, and keeping faithfully the ancient tradition. So basically it's saying that, uh, of course, uh, scripture and tradition, of course, are, are uh, that is divine revelation, that is part of divine revelation, but it is uh, tradition, of course, that really is a, the larger aspect of it per se, is that um, because there are many people who who didn't know scripture. I mean, they didn't. They never had it in the, their hands per se. But that they had the faith because it was taught and preached to them. And so all, as Monsignor says, all this shows that tradition, properly so called, preceded the scriptures in the order of time. Um, so, you know. And Monsignor, there's some very, very uh, good things that he, uh, I like what he said here very 
very succinctly, he says, for, on page 259, he says, for before all revelation came to an end, many parts of the scriptures were already in existence to which Christ and the apostles appealed quite frequently. So, you know, you had the, it's not as if scripture was not, you know, superfluous or as well, but of course, uh, is that it was the, 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 that's why they're taken together. <clears throat> but nonetheless, is that uh, you have uh, things that were written down for a while, for at first, and then things that you know, maybe not were, were down later, but yet the faith was still there. Um, so revelation was made first to again, as as Monsignor says, to the old patriarchs without the help of scriptures, actually, and it was kept only by tradition until the time of Moses, when he began to write the first inspired writer, the first five books of the, of scripture, and so tradition therefore preceded even the books of the Old Testament in the order of time. So uh, it's almost, you know, this is where you can, another uh, aspect where you can just let Protestants kind of chew on this for a while, is just say, you know, what about, you know, I mean, because they're, again, sola scriptura, they're saying, you know, only the Bible, only, well, the Bible, again, didn't come into existence, you know, for what about all the generations of people who didn't have the Bible, didn't have the Holy Scripture, even the Old Testament. What about them prior to that? So, you know, it, it, it again falls upon itself when you kind of present it to that, to that way. And so Monsignor goes on to explain, he says, We may therefore say that all the articles of our faith were kept for a long time substantially by tradition only. And, you know... So for more than 2,000 years, Revelation was passed by word of mouth from father to son, from one generation to the other. Um, and so uh, um, so it was uh, scripture. Again, things were written down later, uh, as I think we mentioned last chapter as well, is that, you know, it was uh, the early Christians especially, uh, you know, knew the faith, not by the apostles writing things down because our Lord never said write this down. He said, go preach, go out and teach and preach, uh, you know, by, by mouth. And so that's, they knew the faith in that regards. And it was just later on that they wrote some things down to supplement that. But it was important, of course. It was inspired by the Holy Ghost. It was the Word of God. It was meant, to, God meant it that way as a supplement as well. So they, they work hand in hand, but it is tradition that actually preceded scriptures, that that's where it, it came. And so chronologically, this is where Monsignor, of course, reminds us, and it's a good good thing to remind Protestants, is that, you know, before the Bible, well, how did people go to heaven? How do people know the faith? How do people know? I mean, before that. Yes. Um, it was a tradition. Yes. I mean, so. there was limbo, of course, throughout the uh, Old Testament, but um, mm -hmm. right. they were there ready for going to heaven. It's That's a very good point. It's actually something that I haven't thought about too much. Uh, you, you think of the Bible well, at least the, not the Bible itself as in being printed, but the writings sort of coming first, but because you're just sort of used to our oh, tradition has come after and has uh, interpreted it. But no, tradition does. It, it did begin before the scriptures were written down. Yeah. yeah I mean, and, and I mean, that's, uh, that's, like I said, they, they, as Monsignor stresses and keeps to remind us that, I mean, they, it's not as if, you know, we're, see Protestants, of course, again, solely scripture. I mean, they're the only scripture. I mean, there's overemphasis on that. Yes, um, yes. And, but, you know, Catholics, we, we, you know, we take it scripture and tradition together. I mean, they are to, 
it's together. I mean, it's not as if we're, you know, demeaning one or the other. It's they're they're taken together, but there is a chronological order here that we understand. Uh, is that, uh, but they all work together in that regard. It is the word of God. It is the teaching of the faith. Um, but it is in whatever form or that it takes. Hmm. We'll move on to the next headline, page 261. According to the order established by Christ, no one can have a true Christian knowledge of the scriptures without divine tradition. Tradition thus precedes the scriptures historically and theologically. <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's, it's a, just a, a further explanation of the really the first chapter, but it's, it's the, uh, I mean, tradition... As Monsignor says, considered historically, uh, is the foundation of critical and philosophical demonstration. And tradition considered theologically is a doctrine truly religious and divine. So, you know, kind of big words in, in a certain sense. But the, the knowledge about the scriptures and the knowledge then contained in the scriptures is what we're talking about. So the, the knowledge of, about the scriptures belong there. As Meinstein says, their genuineness, their veracity, their integrity, inspiration. In other words, it's to recognize, okay, the scriptures are the word of God. Uh, it's to recognize that, you know, what is true, what is right. This is the true word of God. Um, you know, that is, uh, that is from the, the knowledge of scriptures. But the knowledge contained then in the scriptures belongs whatever doctrine or truth then is contained in it. So, it's kind of two separate things you can say two focuses but it's the, they're of course united but um, so tradition again as we mentioned historically considered comes before scriptures because uh, before one begins to study or as Monsignor says on page 262 um, before one begins to study or meditate on the scriptures he must be sure of their genuineness their veracity and integrity so in other words, you got to look at, say, before you begin to study Holy Scripture, you got to believe and understand that, okay, this is true. This is the Word of God. Um, if you, I mean, this, that's, if you don't have that, if, uh, then, you know, why are you studying or why do you meditate on it? What do you believe? So you have to have that first, but then you have to also have then tradition as theologically considered, again, precedes the Scriptures, and no one can know with certitude the doctrines contained in Scripture itself as truthful and divinely inspired without the institution established by Christ. And no one can know divine tradition, in other words, without the church. So again, we're always, Monsignor is always stressing, as of course Catholics, we're always stressing uh, the infallible authority of the church to help us, first and foremost, to say, Yes, uh, Scripture is divinely inspired, is the Word of God, is that we recognize the veracity of it, we recognize the truthfulness of it, the integrity of it. Yes, we understand that. Um, but what does it mean? What does it, this mean? What is, this, what, are the, what is the teaching in there? And that's, of course, we know with certitude then, those things contained within Scripture itself as truthful and divinely inspired by the Church herself telling us that, is that uh, by being the one that says uh, because of her infallibility given to her by the Holy Ghost. This is true. This is not true. Um, and so, uh, uh, you know, as Monsignor says then on 263, he says, uh, it is a fatal mistake to assume that Christ and the Holy Ghost intended to have revelation preached by the apostles and then simply placed in writing in the hands of every Christian 
to be judged and interpreted at his own pleasure. And he says, God is not mocked, according yes, to St. Paul. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, again, he, he, Monsignor is stressing the importance of the church as the interpreter of scripture, but first recognizing what is scripture and the truth of it, but then what it is in it, what it teaches, what it, in, in that regards. And so, um, you know, the, the, the apostles and, and of course their successors and the bishops, uh, uh, even to this day in office, they're empowered by our Lord himself uh, and the Holy Ghost to, to judge infallibly what belongs to the genuineness, the, the veracity, the integrity, and inspiration of every single part of sacred scripture for the instruction of every member of the faithful and for, uh, as my senior says too, as well, settling authoritatively every controversy, controversy for the good of the church. Um, and so uh, um, the, the, again, it is, uh, you know, it's constantly stressing again, the importance of the church as the infallible teacher uh, and, and infallible interpreter of scripture and tradition as well. And so the church, um, as Monsignor says to us on 264, says the church or, or divine tradition precedes the scriptures. We must know what to think of the scriptures before we commit ourselves to them, before we can use them prudently, safely, and to our benefit. Um, because it's it's almost like, again, as I mentioned, I think uh, in our last show, in our last chapter, it's, you know, I can have a, um, you know, I can have one of my guns on me, but it, I mean, if I don't know how to use it, or if I don't have the bullets to 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 use it, then it's really kind of just pointless to me. It's just it doesn't really do me any good in that regards. Um, so we have to have the 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 uh, the the church to provide those things, of course, to for us uh, to know what to think of it, to what to say. Okay, yes, this is true. This is right. Okay, now I can apply myself to it. Basically, it's almost saying too as well as that. The church says, okay, this is safe. It, you know, like you can, uh, you know, like you're going, uh, you know, like uh, uh, say you're out in the country, of course, being up from up north, you know, we have a lot of, lot of uh, uh, country ponds, you know, little, uh, little lakes and things of that nature. And, and oftentimes you'd have to have someone, one of the farmers or something to tell you, yeah, it's safe. You can swim there. You know, it's it's safe. You know, I mean, it's been, you know, there's no problem. You can swim there because sometimes, you know, you could be, you can jump in there and, you know, you realize that, oh, wait, this is a, the cattle use this for, uh, you know, their, uh, you know, uh, elimination processes and things of that nature. And you're like, eh, this is not very safe. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, once you know that you have that authority that tells you, okay, this is safe. Yeah, this is right. And this is okay. So then you can apply yourself to it. And this is what the church, again, does that for, we can commit ourselves then to the scriptures in that regards, because this is what the infallible teacher, the infallible church has, has said. And so um, it is, uh, uh, you know, it is uh, without tradition, of course, though, uh, without the church, as Monsignor says, we cannot understand the doctrine contained then in scripture, because you know, Protestants will say, yes, that's the word of God. Uh, but they cannot understand what's in it. 
without the teacher, without the one who teaches them. Um, because they're, I mean, they claim it. Yeah, I can, I understand it because of my own authority, but that's not, it means nothing. Um, so, uh, you have, um, so, you know, you can have something historical as Monsignor says, you can understand it. Yeah, this is, but understanding it theologically, understanding the meaning of it, uh, you need a teacher, you need an infallible teacher to teach you that. And, you know, I don't know of any, pro well, of course, I don't know, Protestants maybe sometimes of saying, you know, I don't know any of any Protestant per se claiming that, you know, Jesus Christ himself had come and sat next to him on the couch and said, okay, this is what I mean here. This is what, and, and you know, um, this is what scripture means right here. So uh, I don't think they, they all claim that kind of thing. So they don't know uh, theologically what scripture says. They think they know, but they don't. And that's why you see such a division of beliefs between them. Yeah, exactly. What a joke. Yes. Yeah. Uh, next headline, page 265. Tradition, not the scriptures, was intended by the apostles to rule the church of Christ. <clears throat> well, this is just a continuation again of what we uh, have been, and my senior has been either explicitly or implicitly been uh, teaching in, in uh, this book is that it was the apostles uh, by their preaching and teaching verbally that people, that the early Christians knew the faith. I mean, it wasn't, uh, um, you know, there was a time when the books of the New Testament were, as Monsignor says, not only unbound, but even unwritten. I mean, there was a time that they weren't written yet. Uh, and so, but it was the, but the Catholic church existed during that period. So, you know, if if the church after the ascension of our Lord and the coming of the Holy Ghost could have existed even for a day without, as Monsignor says, uh, without the books of the New Testament, uh, there is no reason why she could not similarly then have existed until the present hour. In other words, you know, it's the church uh, who uh, our Lord instituted the church um, and the 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 authority of the church, the apostles, the, the, the teachers of the church as well, um, uh, to teach and preach. Uh, our Lord, again, uh, um, did not say, uh, uh, well, I should say the church, as Monsignor says, was spreading rapidly, of course, after uh, after the ascension of our Lord and the, and the apostles of the coming of the Holy Ghost upon the apostles, the beginning of the church at Pentecost. Uh, so the church was growing in, in, in the great centers of, of, the, of the Roman Empire all throughout that time as they were, the apostles and the disciples are going out to preach by their preaching and their teaching um, without any or with little of the New Testament being available, because again, the first, of course, book of the New Testament was written by St. Matthew, uh, in like, uh, you know, not, I mean, it was later, when, and of course, in the, six, in the 60s, 64, I think, um, um, but, and then St. John's was 94, uh, you know, the last gospel was written in that regards, but, so, but prior to that, they didn't have, no one was written, any, there was no New Testament. They were all teaching verbally that by what our Lord taught them, and our Lord told them to go out and preach and teach. He didn't go out and say, go out and write books. Uh, he said, go out and preach and teach. And so the faithful then depended completely on the preaching of the apostles and the, then, the, of course, the sacraments from them, um, which is 
um, you know, like today. I mean, as far as uh, and always the church does, that the, the faith will re rely upon the true priests and bishops to give them the sacramental uh, ministrations, um, as well as the preaching as well, because they're not getting it obviously from the Novus Ordo or Protestants, etc. Um, so the apostles, of course, uh, um, they uh, they as tie as things came up, maybe a little problems here or there. Um, they couldn't cover things as as they could. I mean, in other words, you'd have they'd start a church here in this area, and then of course they'd have to go on to the next. And so they'd try to leave people, of course, behind or ordain people, of course, if they did that um, to stay there. But they would write then to their churches on some of the more important questions of the day as things would come up. Um, so, you know, you have, again, I think we mentioned last time is that, you know, the gospels and, the, and you have letters, uh, whether it be from St. Paul or, or St. Peter or St. John, or of course, any of the gospels. I mean, they were really written specifically for specific groups. Uh, and, and, you know, St. Matthew wrote his gospel for the benefit of the Jews. Um, I mean, he was writing directly to the Jews at that point, uh, you know, rather than to the Gentiles at that point. So, um, you know, and you had a different em emphasis per se on for each gospel. Um, so, you know, they they uh, uh, of course came later, but they all—it's not again as if they were just uh, secondary per se, uh, or just to be put aside as not really too important. But I mean, they're certainly—it's part of tradition is part of uh, um, revelation and but they became a guide and a direction for all the christians and they were read every sunday uh in their in their assemblies and basically mass i mean they were read at mass um and but it, as monsignor says on page 267 he says all this goes to show that the apostles never intended to make a complete written work of the doctrine discipline and worship of the christian religion what they wrote was simply prompted by the occasion to answer, you know, certain questions. But under the guidance of the Holy Ghost, it was meant to be written, of course. Uh, but uh, but again, if if the apostles did not intend to make such a complete work, how can the scriptures be the rule and only rule of faith? Uh, and so, again, this is where, uh, and you know, basically when you when you hear. When Protestants and, and Monsignor quotes from St. Paul, for, I mean, it's very simple. It's, it's uh, you know, four, wor four words is that, you know, when Protestants are always saying, you know, sola scripture, etc. And then you can ask, tell a Protestant, so, well, didn't St. Paul say this? Faith cometh by hearing. So what does that mean? So what you put, the, put it on Protestants, okay, what does that mean? If solo, if it's only the Bible, then why does it? St. Paul says, "Faith cometh by hearing." So, do you speak aloud yourself when you read the Bible, or do you have to have someone's preaching you know, that kind of thing? And, so, and also, do you speak aloud your findings that are incorrect? <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. Uh, and of course, now we have a lot of. Um, papal bulls and encyclicals to explain things. So even now we've got a lot of written works to help us understand, especially in these modern times where we need such tools to determine truth, considering the Novus Ordo has taken over. Oh yeah. I mean, but again, you just keep in mind is that when you read 
even when you read like uh, meditation books, you know, prove meditation, you know, or or spiritual writings of, of even the saints or or of uh, even what you just just keep in mind that really that is the teaching church speaking to you because it's approved by the church and approved by the teaching church, of course. So really, it is the church speaking to you um, in, in, in that regard and speaking to the faithful. And so it is, in a certain sense, as you're right, is it, it is now, especially today, we use that uh, for, um, you know, for we, we hear the words of God even from the written page now. Of course, but the fundamentals are there, and those written works have uh, are a result of tradition. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, next headline on page two hundred and sixty-eight: In comprehension, tradition is broader than the scriptures. Right. So Monsignor uh, reminds us. Uh, he says that uh, um, the object of tradition is what has been delivered. Uh, it is any doctrine, object, or institution transmitted from the ancients in whatever manner or form. So, um, uh, again, tradition, people sometimes try to just uh, pigeonhole tradition per se as it's just a very small, very sliver specific um you know, corner per se, and scripture kind of takes the vast majority. And actually, it's the other way around. Is is tradition is much broader, really, than the scripture. Like we said uh, last chapter, I believe, is or even a little earlier chapter, is that is that uh, you know it, it was preached first. It was it was everything was preached, everyone was you know taught first, and then it was written down as time went on. It's not as if it was. They're separated. It's not. It's more along lines of like a reinforcement of what has been taught in in in, in that regard. Um, but Saint Paul, uh, writing to the Thessalonians, says that, as, as Monsignor quotes, he says, "Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have learned, whether by word, or by our epistle." So, you know, Saint Paul, even at that point, of course, is saying by word, of course, by the preaching, by the tradition which we've always been taught. And by our epistle, by what what I've written as well as a as a is a you know twofold two uh, together taken in that regard. So uh, you know tradition to mean is whatever uh, whatever is revelation, whether written or unwritten. And so um, again, it embraces not only the revelation which was made by God before the scriptures began to be written, but also those truths, truths which were preached after the scriptures began to make their appearance, as well as the scriptures themselves. So tradition, again, is it, it, it's it's broader uh, than the scriptures because it's the whole of tr- revelation, It's in which the scriptures are only a part of it. So uh, you know, tradition in that sense, in the broad sense, I mean, it is, it's in all encompass, all encompassing of that. And so, um, you know, you have as Monsignor on page 270, he gives a, an example. Um, he says, uh, he says, for instance, the mysteries of the most holy Trinity, the incarnation of Christ and the Holy Eucharist are dogmas revealed in the scriptures on account of themselves. That Abraham had two sons, or that the apostle, meaning St. Paul, was shipwrecked on the island of Malta, and such other historical adventures 
are merely mentioned in the scriptures on account of other more important matters to manifest Christ's divine majesty, his mission, his church, and so forth. So in other words, Monsignor is reminding us that, you know, even in all of scripture is important and all of it has been written, of course, but, you know, there are a few things, of course, that are more specific and other things that are mentioned, but they're not just like throwaway things, but they're actually, they're, they're, they're meant to point in a more general direction, you know, of, of like St. Paul says, like mentioning, you know, that Abraham had two sons or that St. Paul was uh, shipwrecked on the island of Malta. Well, that points to the greater general things of Christ's divine majesty, of his mission, of the church, and so forth. So, you know, everything has a, a meaning to it. Um, and, and some are more explicit than others, but yet, you know, it is not as if, again, there's just, you know, throwaway lines in scripture. No, not at all. Um, but it is, uh, it's a reminder that though that, you know, there are other th grander things, uh, you know, that are, are interpreted. And from those things that are not so, you know, like, again, explicit is that that's where the church reminds us, okay, this is where from tradition, of course, the teaching, this is where we can see the interpretation of this, or this is where an intimation of this or this and pointing to this. Um, and so tradition then is broader than scriptures. It's, it's, uh, the whole material or, or, or quantity, uh, of revelation. And so, um, and so it is, it is, uh, Monsignor is just reminding that again, it's, uh, like these last two chapters here are just a reinforcement of the absurdity of, of saying of the Protestants, you know, sola scriptura, only scripture to whereas actually tradition is grant much larger and encompasses really scripture. I mean, they're, they're, they work together, the two, the two legs of, of divine revelation, but yet, you know, it is tradition that came first in that regards. Yes. Uh, the last headline of this chapter, I think we're, we're going for maybe our shortest episode yet, Father. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, we're, we're up to the last headline already. Page 271. The nature itself of the scriptures is an evidence that they are not the principal nor the only means instituted by Christ for the propagation and preservation of the church. <clears throat> right. If if um, and this I I like. Uh, this is one of the the um, chapters I think that uh, uh, I like. Um, Monsignor really uh, he he gets. He gets it right to the point. I mean, he gets and he hits the the nail in the head in many ways. Of course, I mean, he's he does in all chapters, but this one for me especially really hit me is that because he he gives a a couple of questions. I'll just read like on page two seventy two, uh, which just takes the wind out of you know non Catholics and Protestants, etc. It says, if the scriptures were to become a substitute for all church authority, namely the apostolic succession, and to be the only rule of faith, why did not God himself proclaim such a law in the scriptures themselves? Yes. Why, why did not God make a solemn and plain statement to that effect? I think that, I mean, just... Yes. You know, the, the Protestants can, can you know, talk up and down about this and that and this and that and that, but really... You can just step back and say, if this is to be the only rule of faith, you would think God would have said and and and, and told uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or any of those to say, write specifically 
this is to be the only rule of faith. What I am writing and what you what you are writing, what the other apostles are writing, this is it. You think he for something as important as salvation, you think God would have said that, <laughs> but you can't find that anywhere in Scripture at all. Um, and so, uh, you know, again, Monsignor points to Saint Paul and, and and says that you know the faithful. Uh, are admonished to have recourse to, St. Paul says, the traditions which you have learned, whether by word or by our epistle. So, you know, again, that just takes the the wind right out of Protestants. I mean, I mean, they'll, like I said, they, when you talk to Protestants, I mean, they'll have they have answers for everything in their mind. No one this explained this is, but again, something as simple as putting it to that is that if this is so important, if this is the only rule. Why didn't God say it? Why didn't God specifically say, write this? It's an excellent point. Yes. It's actually something I've, I've, I have to use that in the future because I haven't actually thought of saying that before. That, yeah, I mean, yeah. they put all their faith into a document and say, this contains everything we need to know. But they have nothing in that document saying this is the document. And the only right. the, the only thing it points to scripture is that the Catholic Church has the authority. Then the Catholic Church says, yes, the Bible is truth. Right. But because Protestants reject the Catholic Church, where's the connection? They have nothing to say that the documents that they put their faith in are true. They've got nothing there. No, it's all it's all it's all on sand, as our Lord warned. It says you know, you're you're building your house on sand. It's a circular argument that I mean, it like it's, it it makes no sense, in, even logically in that regard. But then, and Monsignor goes and con, and continues, and he says it cannot be said that although the apostles never intended to have the scriptures be the only rule of faith, nevertheless, God caused them to write in order that the scriptures would providentially become the only rule of faith for the future generations. So, you know, Christ never commanded the apostles to write. Never. I mean, you can never look into the, uh, he's never, again, he didn't say, our Lord, go out and write books. No, he said, go out to preach and teach. Um, You know, and, you know, I, as a teacher, I used to, of course, used to be, I don't teach anymore, but, um, I I didn't I couldn't uh, come to class and say okay uh, class uh, I just last night I wrote my book here and then this is what you have for your class and I'll just sit here and not say a word you just read my book uh, no I had to teach I have to speak I have to teach and preach and teach so um, you know uh, but. What was written, of course, again, as scriptures, is important, is is necessary, that God deemed that that was necessary to do as a supplement as well. and But that, what was written, the scriptures, that is the instrument to be the sole property of the church. Again, it wasn't to be just given to whoever and say, okay, you interpret how you want. No, it's the sole property of the church. So it's in the hands of the church. Uh, it was to be then the key that opens up the way for the solution of whatever difficulties in the course of the centuries that happened. But it is the church who has that. It is the property of the church. Um, So as Monsignor says again on 274, he says, the scriptures, therefore, far from being independent of the church, are the sole property of the church. 
They are a donation, a gift, a boon to her, pure and simple, on the part of God. And by, by giving the scriptures to the church, God only wanted his children to have plenty and more than plenty. In other words, scriptures, the scripture, I mean, things are written, again, as a, as a continued abundance of supplements to continue to, to teach uh, what has been, been, been always been taught and what has been continually being taught at the time, but as a more of a uh, supplement. Because, you know, we, I mean, we look at ourselves as, you know, we, yes, we, we, faith comes through hearing through that. The same time, we do like to have books at our fingertips to where we can go and kind of read ourselves and kind of think at at our own pace sometimes. And to, you know, because you know we've been in class uh, classes before. We maybe had instructors where they taught at a at a pace, you know, very good. They were very good teachers, but they taught at a pace maybe that we ourselves weren't exactly up to that pace. We were. Little la- sometimes you know lagging a little bit behind, and you know we got what we wanted in that regards. But it'd be nice to have our notes to to go back to and to to okay oh oh yeah I understand this now, but it's not as if we were. But so this is kind of what scripture is is, is doing as well. And you know Monsignor says too. He says but but if they are a gift, meaning the scriptures, they are certainly a most precious gift and one to be handled with care. Only the church knows how to make the best use of them. Whoever uses them against her wishes is a thief and a robber. Uh, Without the church, they are of little value. Rather, they are a dangerous weapon placed in the hands of little children. They lead not to salvation, but to illusions, independence, and pride. And, I mean, how many times, how many people have we seen, um, even in our modern times, so to speak, to where they have used scripture as uh, to uh, propagate some sort of uh, um, dangerous uh, teaching, something dangerous, obviously, spiritually, but even, you know, physically. How many times have people used scripture to say, okay, point is, oh, the world's going to end, you know, at this, the Bible quote or something. The world's going to end at this time, so, you know, we're all, you know, going to use this. Or how many times you've seen cults who've used, uh, you know, scripture and say, okay, well, we're going to, you know, all kill ourselves now because of this and so we can, you know, enjoy this or whatever. In the hands outside uh, of of the church, uh, again, it's a dangerous weapon. And it's difficult to... For, for people of the world and, and Protestants too, especially, you know, to, to look at Scripture and the Bible and say it could be a dangerous weapon. Uh, you know, they're like, what do, what do you mean? I mean, well, because of your, of your interpretation, your false interpretations of that, you, it could be used dangerously. This is why you need a safeguard, a safe, the safety of the infallible teacher uh, of the church to do that. And so... You know, it's with that that Monsignor, too, I mean, he says uh, everything points out that the scriptures were never intended to be neither by our Lord nor by the apostles, the principal, much less the exclusive means to propagate, preserve, or rule the church of God. And so, you know, it is, it is, uh, 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 again, is Monsignor is is reinforcing almost at every every chapter is 
is that uh, you know Protestants really have no leg to stand on at all. I mean, it's it's amazing that so many people fall for their heresies and fall for their misinterpretations is because again, just that one, just that one question of, you know, if this is so important for, and we're talking about salvation, why didn't God specifically say, this is it? You know, I mean, so, I mean, I, you know, that, so it is with, uh, because for Protestants is once you begin to say that, wait a minute, sola scriptura, no, it's not, we don't believe in, I mean, if they begin to reject sola scriptura, their own private interpretation, then they have to look outside of themselves, and which will, which will then they have to look the church in the face, and they don't want to do that. Yeah, that would also <laughs> lead to a very strict moral code, probably stronger than right. what a lot of Protestants are living by at the moment. Right, that's true. I mean, it's right. You You have to then take... Not the little sliver that you think is the only thing, and that which you you know you've kind of put. You have to take the whole enchilada, as they say, uh, which is, you know, but that's that's the way to salvation, not not the Protestant way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I mean, it's always important to look at the origins of a religion. The Catholic Church originated from Christ; He resurrected and from the dead, and said, "Yeah, upon this rock I should build my church," and He gave the authority to the apostles. Where did Protestantism start? Uh, with a priest, I believe. I think Martin Luther was a priest, wasn't he? Who couldn't, <laughs> yes, he yes. couldn't uh, restrain himself from sitting, and instead of trying to overcome his weaknesses, even taking a long life battle, which can obviously be done as long as you're trying. Um, but instead, he's gone and said, "You know what? I'm going to just pretend that I can sin, and it's all good." And then <laughs> that's right. what people are following: somebody who basically was weak and gave into further weakness. Right. And want to rationalize his for his 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 choices to be good, so he just started his own religion. Yes. So I mean, I mean, you see that even in Henry the Eighth oh, as well, to- and yes, absolutely. You know, and and I mean, everyone. Uh, this this it's too. It's all. It's not the gospel of Christ. It's the gospel of insert the name of whoever is rejecting the gospel of Christ. That's what it is. The gospel of yes. Martin Luther. I don't know if there are any other religions out there that are founded or like motivated by something that does not appeal to weakness. For instance, you know, Henry VIII wanted to divorce. Mm-hmm. So weakness there, Martin Luther, weakness. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mormons, mm-hmm. I don't know too much about that, but I do know that they have the multiple wives. So there's <laughs> there's that mm-hmm. uh, physical yeah. weakness there. The Catholic Church is the only one that doesn't have anything. It's like we are doing this to cater to a human weakness, as far as I know anyway. Right. Right. No, no. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the four marks. It's one mm-hmm. holy, Catholic, and apostolic. It's, the, the, it's holy because it is founded by Christ himself. It is, you know, that there's no other, no other founder. I mean, it's no human founder. It's a divine institution. So it's perfect. Yes. So. I think we can wrap up this show there, Father. Unfortunately, this chapter didn't really give us much ammunition to have our Nova Sordo condemnation fixed. But a bit, a bit, a bit disappointing. <laughs> 